ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope you're doing well today. I have another great episode lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book, All in the Same Boat. The reviews are starting to come in, and they are very good. One reader said it was one of the best leadership books he has ever read. Another said, it's been a while since I picked up a book on leading that had so many engaging stories. Still another said, John Rennie is a tremendous storyteller and writes in a way that makes you want to keep turning the pages. There were times I felt like I was in the Atlantic on patrol with him. I'm really excited that this book is resonating with so many people. I tried to write it in a way that was both entertaining and educational, and I'm so glad so many people have enjoyed it. You know, if you haven't gotten your copy yet, head on over to allinthesameboatbook.com to purchase a signed copy, or you can go to Amazon and purchase either the paperback or the Kindle version. The Audible version will be available in a few months. Now, if you have purchased the book already, first of all, thank you. And also, please go to Amazon and leave a review. Every review helps get the word out. If you're looking to support what I do on this show, if you like this show, if it's provide va- it provides value to you, just go on, go on over to my website, johnsrunny.com, and purchase one of my books. That certainly helps me keep this show running. Or you can visit one of my sponsors, bottomguncoffee.com and ihavethewatch.com. And remember, both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Colin Hunter. Colin is based in the UK, and he is the CEO of Potential Squared, an innovative leadership development company. In this episode, Colin and I talk about the importance of failure as a tool to help build a culture and create better leaders. You know, in many companies, managers don't have any tolerance for failure. They give the tough task to senior employees so that nothing goes wrong. But you know what? In doing so, the young employees miss out on a chance to fail and the learning that comes from that. This is an episode that will make you think differently about failure in your organization. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Whoa. 
Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Colin Hunter. Colin is the CEO of Potential Squared, an international firm that specializes in creating playgrounds to disrupt the way people are led. He is the author of a new book coming out later this year called Be More Wrong, How Failure Makes You an Outstanding Leader. The power of controlled failure was an important lesson I learned as a young submarine officer. I'm really excited to have Colin on the show to get into this important topic. So, Colin, welcome. Uh, John, appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Looking forward to our conversation. I am as well. So, first of all, before we get started, tell us about Potential Squared. It sounds like you take a really unique approach to leadership training and development. Yeah, that, that's the goal of Potential Squared, John. So, what we've been trying to do is, and in fact, when we were naming it, we, we called it Potential Squared, and somebody said, so why don't you call it potential cubed? Why not potential cubed at the time? And I said, so look, we're going to under-promise and over-deliver. So the principle behind what we do is, is a degree of humility. It's a degree of, of practicing with our clients and exploring with our clients how we can disrupt how people are led. So therefore, our partnership with our clients and our partnership with ourselves around this is to explore new ways of leading and new ways plus old ways. So I'm a big fan of some of the older principles of leadership uh, that have been around for many, many years. And, and, you know, for example, communication, third level listening is all there. But what we're trying to do is find a different way to connect firstly with leaders, but also with the changing workforces that are out there. So that's what we do on a global level. uh, We work in different cultures as well, which is fascinating to put a cultural lens on leadership um, and work with that. And we also work with actors. We work with VR. Mm. So the channels of delivery in Potential Squares are very different. And, and clients will know us for one thing and not the other thing. So it is mm. a, it's, it's a real rich mixture, which is what keeps me motivated and engaged <laughs> as I, I lead it. <laughs> well, that sounds great. You know, one of the things that I, when I was reading about it, you talk about using virtual reality actors, you use data, but then you also use this concept called a playground. So how does that all play together to, you know, really help leaders understand their true behaviors and habits and and, and be a better and more effective leader? I think that they're all inextricably linked. So when we, uh, about 2007, John, we, uh, I was with a previous business partner at the time. And one of the things that came to my mind was we weren't practicing what we preached. Mm. And therefore, we started to think. So we demerged. Uh, the previous business partner went off, and she's still operating a, a very successful business elsewhere. But my whole principle then started to say, so how do we practice what we preach uh, within the leadership space? We were already using actors, which was great. So we were using actors to bring to life conversations, to give people an immersive experience mm-hmm. in terms of conversations. So if you just think about the toughest conversation you've had, potentially in the submarine, I have no clue what it would be like to be in a submarine for that length of time and, and to be in such a confined space and have those difficult conversations. 
But wouldn't it be great to be able to practice those difficult mm. conversations? And I mean, you used to drill, do drills, other things in there. That was your playground to get people ready for when the real thing hit. Mm. You were working in there. So we use the actors to allow leaders to have a way of immersive experience around conversations. Um, and we'll tie it as much as possible to the work that they do. So if they're internal auditors, we'll get the actors to be auditees in a business who have you know, got a report, an audit report that's coming in. If it's to do with customer service, we'll get the actors to play guest clients, whether it's luxury hotels, and therefore they can play that. So imagine if you're walking along a hotel corridor and you're in Glen Eagles Hotel in Scotland, training people how to have that conversation means we put an actor in place and we just play with the different types. So over-friendly, under-friendly, friendly, just the right amounts. Service, but not over uh, formal service. How do you get the formal and informal? So we use the actors and then we started to think, okay, on this leadership side, and you'll know this. I mean, it's if you look at a dashboard as a leader, how do I, how do I measure the systems? Whether it's skills, technical, whatever it is you're trying to measure, how do I have a drop down? I always think about Top Gun. I had the, <laughs> the pleasure of uh, meeting a lady whose son was a Top Gun instructor. Wow. Uh, um, and she was telling me about, you know, they fly for an hour and then they do 10 hours of debrief. But in that hour, they've got a drop down eyesight, which, which they can read how the plane's doing, what they're doing. So wouldn't it be great for a leader to be able to say, so I tweak this behavior, this, this habit? And how did it impact? So over the last four or five years now, we've been building up to a couple of awards with clients where we've we've taken the leadership development measurement system and put it into something we call PI2, Potential Impact Squared. And we've worked into that. And then finally, to answer your question around VR, we discovered through networks this VR tool called Apollo, uh, Apollo which is run by a company called Jensen 8. And what was amazing is suddenly these, this story about the immersive experience with the actors, you're putting VR on. And the amazing thing about VR is when you're immersed, there's nothing else that you are seeing apart from this. And it's mm. your true behavior comes. I mean, my, you know, I screwed up so many times, John, in when I put that VR headset on. I was just failing miserably. But actually, what I was realizing was this, it was exactly my behavior. Mm. I could see the patterns, but that was within half an hour. I'd got the pattern of my behavior. Now, doing that with clients now, we're finding within uh, half an hour, even within eight minutes, people are going, yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> oh, that's me. Yeah. 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 So it's, that's where we are with it. So that's how we mesh them all together. And depending on the client, we mesh different parts of it to help them to work. That is really interesting. You know, um, you know, I, I really put the parallels to, you know, being back on the submarine. One of the things mm. that we did you know, you can imagine every time the submarine uh, came back from sea, you'd have a third of the crew leave and you'd have brand new people show up, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. went back out on patrol where you have 30% new people who don't mm -hmm. know the way we do things. And and so one of the things that really important was training and drills. And we we tried to simulate as, as realistic as we could, you know, flooding, fire, reactor emergencies. And we were we were immersed, right, in these training scenarios and we practiced over and over and over again and we learned and we made mistakes along yeah. the way and um one of the things that i'll never forget is the emotion that you have from making mistake you mm -hmm. and, and that and how deep a training 
uh, tool it is when you when you make a mistake and you try to figure out how to correct it. It's it's deeply personal, right? And so those those you remember those uh, lessons probably deeper. Is that what you find with your clients as you go through these immersive training programs? Is they they make the mistake and then they feel that emotional response to it? Yeah, and, and I'd link it to something for personally for myself. And the more I talk about this, the more I realize this is out there everywhere. I've, I have an imposter syndrome. So mm. I'm expecting myself to fail. I'm expecting not to be interesting. I'm expecting people to find me whatever it is that I'm thinking that day. And and therefore, what we find is that when people are in that space and they they failed, they go to the negative. They go and they find, mm. oh, hold on a second. So, so our our moment to with them is to find a way. And I, I love the video where a cellist is playing and he makes a mistake in the middle of playing. And the person who's coaching him says, rather than being negative about that mistake, almost in a jazz way, relish that mistake. You found a, just a different way to play. Right. So by encouraging people in a safe space, and I think the key thing is safe. I mean, you know, mm. if you're in the middle of battle, I can't, I can't even imagine. I've got friends who are ex special forces, um, and when you know things go going wrong around you, it's not a safe space. But they, like yourself, will have drilled, practiced. They've been in Norway in the mountains. They will have been in deserts. They will have been in jungles. They would have been preparing for these moments, all prepared for their spontaneity session as a way that mm. we would say it. Um, yeah. And therefore, the failure, what we've got to do is get people to understand that failure, if we're stretching ourselves, then there's going to be a degree of stress. But stress plus rest equals growth, as you know, there's a peak performance book out, which I love. Um, so we would say stretch plus rest equals growth. And therefore, you're going to make mistakes if you're stretching. That's right. what we believe. Yeah. Right. Excellent. I love that. So, you know, um, you mentioned that. Um, well, I guess we really covered it, but but failure is is one of the core ingredients of of learning fast, right? And I think you you know you talk about it in your new book. And by the way, the new book is called uh, uh, "Be More Wrong: How mm. Failure Makes You an Outstanding uh, Leader." So you know why is it so important to fail early, fail often, and I like the term "fail forward." Yeah, no, it's, and I, I can't take credit for that one. The fail forward was actually Will Smith. <laughs> of yeah. all the people in the world, he would right. say fail forward. And, right. and I, it's linked to purpose. Um, it is. And, and therefore, when you, the whole book is, of Be More Wrong is written through a hero's journey. Mm. And every hero's journey, whether it's, you know, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings and I'm either turning off half the audience when I speak about it or, um, <laughs> you know, other people are going, oh, wow, I'm going to listen. It's about Lord of the Rings. It's right. Frodo and Sam are suddenly going to come in. And then we say Harry Potter and Dumbledore and they're, oh, okay. So whatever story it is, the story of the hero is always one that they they leave the home, they're surrounded or they grab together the group of people with them. Um, they go off and they have a quest to destroy the ring. They have a guide. Uh, the guide is the leader in this context. Mm. And then they go off and face good and evil, and they're going to fail. If they are going to achieve something significant in their lives, they're going to fail. Um, and at that point, it's about how they deal with a failure. So Be More Wrong is written in a hero's journey. It's an iterative cyclical story or cyclical story, which allows people to feel that they understand now that failure is going to be part of being success in the future. And therefore, it's not just the first time they fail, it's about the 10th time. But they're small enough experiments and small enough failures not to cause them careers, not to, mm. to kill people or to, to bankrupt themselves. It's small incremental experiments 
which Frodo and Sam did as they went through Lord of the Rings, you know, with Gollum uh, and and everybody else that was involved in that story. Everybody made small failures, but they learned from them. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned the hero's journey. I think that's really important in our in our lives and our careers, right? I mean, um, you know, if if we think about all these these great stories uh, and great movies, the hero always faces adversity, right, and mm. has to overcome some major challenge. And I think for an audience, it makes a we, that makes that character more unique, right? Have, have, having been through these difficult things and having overcome them, and we we. We find ourselves much more attached to the main character when they're going through this, and and I always think that that's important in our lives as well. As we go through those tough times, those challenges, those failures, um, you know, we we become a more interesting character. We have you know sort of the scars of of life that uh, really build up who we are, you know. And I think of the toughest times that I've ever faced in my career are those. You know, those are those important moments in my life that I think back on now. If I overcame that, I can overcome this. It's it, it's it's a it's a great moment in your life that you that you can always tie back to that says that I can overcome whatever comes in front of me because I've overcome this already. And I also think it's encouraging for others, John. I mean, you know, if you think about the movies and the films, one of the the principles of the book is the unlikely leader. Mm. Um, whether it's whether it's the senior people I coach who just have imposter syndrome, they don't believe that they should be where they are, or they they can't believe they've got to where they are, or that they're responsible for all these people. Um, but it's also the the characters in Harry Potter, Neville Longbottom, is the person who, in the mm. end, yeah. is the the big hero. He's the unlikely hero. Mm. So there's there's this principle. In the hero's journey is that by being a leader, by by being a guide, by creating stories for heroes, other people get involved and engaged. And this is about culture, isn't it? I mean, to gain a culture where people see others role modeling and they suddenly go, it's okay to have a go here, it's okay to fail. Mm. You get you get these. We were once recruiting or helping to assess a whole uh, chemicals plant. And the person who was the successful one who came to head the whole plant was only two levels up from the bottom of that organization and had been hidden in a, a laboratory at the bottom. But by giving his, him his opportunity, he suddenly realized he had the opportunity to grow, ran the plant. And his first his first challenge he had to face was actually this, this plant's byproduct was cyanide. Um, and somebody died from an accident. Mm, and so wow. can you imagine being yeah. promoted from there to there, to the higher levels, and then suddenly facing that? But he showed his true colors. And in that moment, everybody saw what a leader he was. That's the unlikely leader story that I, I just love. Mm, I do as well. That's really yeah. neat. So let's, um, I really like what you have to say here. You say um, workplace culture should be more like a classroom and less, uh, sorry, less like a classroom and more like a playground. And one of the things I saw, I spent 22 years in corporate America, is I saw that we have very little tolerance for making mistakes, right? Everything, you know, we're busy. Everything has to be performed at a high level and nobody has time for mistakes. And there's very little tolerance for mistakes. Whereas when I think about my military career, we were doing mistakes all the time in a controlled manner to to be able to learn, to be able to practice, to be able to get those experiences so that we would be ready when the, you know, when the real things happen. So, um, so my question is, uh, talk a little bit about that, how, you know, Culture should be more like a playground than a than a classroom. And and what are some companies that are doing it right, or that you've seen do right? Yeah, so I mean, the, the companies for me that are, are really one of them we work with. So I've got a 
<laughs> I'll put yeah. the disclaimer up. So Accenture is one of the ones who does it very well. But but they do it in a very controlled way. So we run something with them called Greenhouse. Now, if you think about a greenhouse, hot housing, it's a five-month program where we've been running for years this program. But over the last four years, we've totally disrupted the way this program is run. But it's run through design thinking. It's run through action learning groups. So pockets of five, six people. What we do is we put coaches in who are then managers of those people. And we then put senior folk in above them as non-exec directors or NEDs, as we call them, uh, above there. And so we start to craft this, this experience where we're trying to shift the culture of Accenture. And Accenture are a very innovative company anyway. But when it comes to the behavior, they're very processed in what they do. So what we're trying to shift is that more junior person coaching, design thinking, and they head towards what in America would be a shark tank, investors Mm. marketplace, where they're pitching ideas. And all the while they're iterating, they're making mistakes, they're trying, they're experimenting, they're prototyping. And it's in a safe space because it's not with a client, although a lot of the projects are about clients. And there was this, this classic moment where somebody had an idea for a new labeling system. Now, Accenture aren't known for labeling systems, but a lot of their clients have a sustainability issue with labeling or whether, whatever the, 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 the product issue that they have. And they had in five months, they would be able to work up a, two new, two, a new $2 million business within there. But it was only honed on the last day. So all the skills they'd gotten five months, they went to an investor's marketplace. The first round on the first day, the idea was given tough feedback by the investor, first investor. Second investor came in. By that time, they'd iterated the idea. Third investor came in. They'd iterated the idea. By the time they pitched it, they won. And they had a battle. And I love this. They had a battle between investors in that, that space going, no. we, won the, you know, we won this. No, no, we won this. I'll pay you more. I love but, it. But that's the moment where you suddenly realize that an Accenture of this world. But even, you know, take it Goldman Sachs. We worked with them on design thinking. And, and they were looking to get a $5 billion increase um, in there. And they knew that they couldn't do that from what they've been doing every day for the last three, four years. So we worked with them on design thinking. We had communication skills coming in from another side. But we also had an element of diversity and inclusion because their biggest thing for for bankers, for financial services, is relating to the new type of client and customer coming through who is not your suited and booted. Mm. They are the people who are coming from a different space. So there's another example where we we partner with them, but they took accountability for shifting the way they look at their client base and offering something different. So it's, Mm. it's possible. Whatever you do, it's possible to do it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. 
Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. I had an example the other day. Um, we, it was Friday. We, mm-hmm. you know, I run a manufacturing business and it was Friday and our last, uh, we, you know, last product was, was just built. It was put on the pallet, ready. It was all done. And, uh, I had walked out on the shop floor and I looked at my most senior person and I was like, you know, why don't we get it weighed, wrapped up, you know, you know sprunk wrapped and, and let's get it out there. We can shut down for the day. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, he said, you know what, let's let Parker do it. Parker's our newest employee. And, um, you know, give him that chance to learn. And my Mm -hmm. first reaction was, hey, we got to get this done. We can't make a mistake. It it has to, you know, like we're trying to get home and get everybody out the door. Right. But he sort of reminded me that it's about, you know, it's about learning and it's about trial and error and it's about practice and about being a classroom, as you say. And, you know, and and it was like my employee reminding me that give people a chance. And I think one, one thing, one thing I see happen in, in corporate America is we give our tough assignments to our more senior people because we don't want to have mistakes. Mm. Whereas we really need to get the more junior people, the people coming up to have those experiences, to try those things. So they do have those learning experience experiences, but also in a controlled manner. Like we were there monitoring Parker and Parker did a great job and he learned, but I think giving people those opportunities to learn in a controlled manner and, 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 you know, even fail it possibly, but I think we don't do that enough, right? We, no. And I don't even do that. Even at, even somebody who preaches this stuff, I oh, found no. myself saying, oh, hurry up. Let's let's get this done correctly. Get it out the door. You know, it's funny, yeah. it's funny that I, I found myself not practicing what I preach. And uh, I'm with you, John. I mean, I yeah. think to, to be humble as a leader is important and to, to make it realize that you made mistakes. So, so I'm a control freak. Mm-hmm. And I made the joke that if you take the control out the control freak, all you've got is the freak. So there is a degree that, uh, you know, I am coming to this part where if I lose control and I'm doing mm-hmm. a, a course on positive intelligence at the moment, which I love. Um, and my top two saboteurs in my life, which are the voices loudest, one is restless. And mm-hmm. I always justify my restless to say, oh, bright, shiny objects. It's great. It's fresh. We're experimenting. Right. Yeah, my team are back at the office going, oh, no, he's coming back with some new ideas. <laughs> right. Right. I thought we just landed this. And right. the controller is the control freak. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, 
But if I want to grow and I want to become as I want to, the ex-CEO of Potential Square to move on and grow, I've got to get out of my own way as a leader. Mm, yes. So therefore, I've got to experiment. I've got to give the opportunity. We just promoted two junior people in our organization to senior levels. It was through something we weren't expecting, but they've they've risen to this. And I'm excited. I'm nervous, though, John. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, but I'm excited that I'm going to see the next generation of Potential Square being run by these brilliant people. Yeah. 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 It is. I think we do have to let go. And I think I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, you know, this is, this is my baby. This is my company, right. You know, I birthed it and I want to see it succeed. Right. So, so there is an element that you have, you want to control it, but then you have to let go and you have to, because I think the biggest reason that a lot of small companies never get to be big companies is that the founder doesn't let go and doesn't Uh allow others to, rise up and take over, you know, they hold on to too much you know, for too long. And uh, yeah. I'm trying not to be that way. So. No. I, I assume it's the same when you go back to your submarine days that we used to have an expression, which is I'm holding onto the agenda too tightly. Mm. Um, and as a leader, you can, you can hold it gently, softly. And as a, an ex golfer, I was always told I was holding the club too tightly. It's the same uh, in leadership. Yeah. yeah. To, to grow and in the submarines, it's probably the same. There's an instinct and there's an intuitive nature that you've got to flow with what, what you're doing, where you're going. And therefore, by holding on too tightly, you don't allow the organization to flow or your own minds to go back to one of my biggest friends, Jamie Smart's book, Clarity. Um, he would say, you know, fall out your thinking, your best ideas happen. Same idea. Yeah. Same mm. principles. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, so in some of the things I was reading, I really like what you talked about, and that was the, this idea of authenticity as leaders. You say that leaders shouldn't be afraid to bring their own type of quirky, flawed, natural personality and energy to their leadership. What do you mean by that? Because I really, I really like that. That really resonated mm-hmm. with me when I read that. I, I think it's many different things for me, and I, I think this is through my coaching experiences. I've worked with so many people who have just this amazing passion. But when they go to work, it's almost at the door, they leave their true personality behind. It's almost, and you can see physically, verbally, people talking to themselves before they go in, or they do their tie-up, or they, you know, they'll do something. They put their face on, their game face on. And And the trouble is that people read through that and see that. And as a leader, you know, if I am having a bad day, and I don't call it, it's like, I'm really having a bad day. I am grumpy as hell. My daughter was hilarious the other morning. I took her to the station. Um, and I was I was having a go at her about, have you got your train ticket? Because if you step on the train, you need a train ticket. Right. And I was in that mode of just, and I was going, I was tired. And I suddenly, she, she got out and she said, I've done this before, Dad. Slammed the door, <laughs> got on the train. And I texted her and I said, I'm really sorry for being grumpy. But unless you're able to, to know that you're grumpy, to know that you have those moments. But it's not to stop them because that's your human nature. Right. But right. but if if my whole uh, body is driven by a desire to achieve, to experiment, to grow, let people know it. Let people also know about the downsides of that. Um, but if we're then saying, right, before I go into work, I'm going to shut off this playground because it's not appropriate. I'm going to shut off this opinionated person because I've been told to shut up before. Firstly, it takes us more energy to do that than you could use. So, I mean, it it probably, I'll ask you the question, because in the military, there's a degree of the personality coming in there. How does that fit? Because in certain circumstances, you almost don't want the quirkiness, or do you? I'd been interested 
from your side. So, so you know, that's the that's actually one advantage I had. You know, the military is is sort of you know very diverse, and what I served on was a very unique environment. Mm-hmm. Whereas you had you know 150 guys in a you know metal tube for three months at a time. So so we actually sort of embrace the weird, if you will. I mean, we knew each other deeply. We knew our personalities. There was no act. It was, leadership was a 24-7 business. We couldn't go home at the end of the day. We couldn't um, take a vacation day if if you were having a bad day. You were 24-7 in that space. And not only that, the leaders and the workers, if you will, the officers and the enlisted and senior enlisted, we worked in tight spaces together, not separate. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you see in corporate America, you see the guys in the corner office up here where they've got maybe, um, you know, their own cafeteria and, you know, life is good, own parking spots. And you have the people in the factory down here that, uh, you know, that that don't have those luxuries. And so we're separated, right? We weren't separated. We're all together. And I think we embraced each other's unique personality. And I think you know, what I write about is that leadership is a people business and it's about embracing the the uniqueness of every individual. And as leader, you have to try to find how how one person's personality and is going to fit within a role and, and trying to make that fit is a really important thing. So, yeah, I think I, that's why I liked it, because I think I really do. I like the idea of just embracing people for who they are and trying to help them be the best version of themselves possible. Uh, and I, so I think I think that's that's yeah. why I like that concept of just being authentic. But I can tell you in corporate America, well, 22 years, I was I was buttoned down. I was, you know, as a vice president, general manager, I, I had to act a certain way and be a certain way. But I, I, I tried as much as I could to bring my personality to it. But there was a lot of it that I turned off just to be able to be safe in that you know environment. And, yeah. it's, and it's sad, actually. So. It, it is, uh, and I think it's also about where organizations recruit from as well. Because you mm. know, one of the things I've learned. So uh, the the guy I've just promoted in, in the business I met because he delivered me a hire car, and the way mm. he delivered that hire car was exceptional. Um, I met my COO on a beach in Singapore. We dived off a boat. I had beers in my pocket, and we dived off with another person sat on the beach. And so there's something about the downtime of somebody, yes. where you catch them where they're in that moment, where they're being true, which will tell you how successful they're going to be. And, uh, you know, everybody can put their game face on, put their suit on and do something for a short space of time. But as you're saying, in a submarine 24-7, you would see it immediately. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there was no separation. I think that's, um, yeah, I think that part about it really resonated and it's it's stayed with me over the years. And, Mm -hmm. And I would say this, as an entrepreneur having my own company, What's 100% unique? And I, I bring my personality to the job every day. And it's it's funny. It's quirky. It's, we we laugh. We we cry. We we have we were more of a family than we are a company. And that's the way I like to lead. That's that's what I really love about having my own company and doing it on my own. So uh, and it feels it feels almost that. free when I <laughs> when I left corporate America. It's free. <laughs> yes, I call myself a corporate refugee. Actually, that's what I call myself because yeah. you know I I when I had a dog and when we first set up the company, the dog was in the office with me. And I know you right. got your dogs there. And the dog actually, I remember one assessment center. Somebody was very very nervous, and they sat stroking the dog to calm the nerves. Mm. But Jazz was a member of the company, so why wouldn't yeah. my daughters used to come in and sit in the evenings after school yeah. and come sit yeah. up? It's got to be that way to be successful. That that's my view. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, it makes it completely different. I think a different environment. So it does. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned in today's work environment, there's got to be three critical dimensions to every leader. What, what are those three? So it's confidence, conviction, connection. Um, and I, I learned this from working with a, an ex special forces guy. And he, he gave me this mantra in there, which is it's almost like a zone of control that a leader is in. But we all know you can't control. No plan right. survives first contact with the enemy. Yeah. So the first thing is confidence. And the confidence is the physicality and the vocality. Um, and, you know, I, I do joke and I tell this story so regularly, but I, I got off a plane once and there was 10 of us who followed this gentleman who got off the plane and he walked with this amazing confidence. So we all thought he knows where he's going. <laughs> We're going to head. And it was only when he walked into the restroom that we suddenly realized he, we didn't need to go. But <laughs> but that confidence as a leader is important. I also believe, though, introverted confidence, that confidence to hold a space is important in there. So mm. it's not just the. Yeah. The external, but it's the the physicality of holding that space and confidence. So confidence is the first one. Conviction for me, we've just been talking about it, is values. Mm -hmm. So having the values and leading with your values, not trying to adapt your values to the values of a business that's or somebody said, you know, take Enron's values. You know what happened to Enron? I'm an ex Anderson's person. So so having your own values and and laying them out, but then recruiting difference in that conviction. Mm. So confidence, conviction is the values allowing difference in it, not just for the sake of inclusion, but because different views help us. Yeah. Different mm, ways. We've just been talking yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. But the final one, which I think is the most important is the ability to be all prepared for your spontaneity session, which is connection. So to be agile in the moment. Now, some people will see this as the ability to hold a connection with an audience, with your team, no matter what. But I always put it down to, um, a gentleman who actually lived not far away from you, uh, Randy Taylor. Um, and he was involved with bringing the Presbyterian Church of the North and South America together. Mm. He just had this ability to listen, connect and engage with his worst critic, the person he violently disagreed with, to the person whose views were equal to him. And I have a vision of him sat in a rocking chair in Montreat with a pipe in his mouth. And he just had that ability to hold court, hold conversations and connect with anybody who walked into his world. There was never a bad word said against, but he got stuff done. So that right. connection is really, really important at the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's good stuff. I really like that. So mm. uh, confidence, conviction and connections. So. Mm. Yeah. Very good. And well, um, how can people find out more about your company and your new book? And by the way, when is the new book coming out? So 21st of September, 21. Okay. So 2121, we thought 2121 uh, is, is a good <laughs> way. But it's also the anniversary of the day that I dived off the boat with my COO. So it's just auspicious that it is that. So we're, that's when it's launched. Um, they can find out about it at a website, bemorewrong.com. Uh, okay. Very simple, bemorewrong.com. It's on Instagram, bemorewrong. Um, Twitter as well, bemorewrong. Uh, so you can find anything in there. Happy to... to get in contact with people or connect with people, that would be great. And then for Potential Squared, it's Potential and then the number two, the digit two, dot com. Um, and you can find out all about the VR and the other, the fabulous thing that the team around the globe deliver for people. So, yeah, any of those uh, those the ports, they can find us. Yeah. Okay, that's great. We'll uh, put those links in the show notes uh, so people can find it. And those that are in their car right now listening don't have to write it down. 
Yeah. Uh, Lisa will <laughs> define it after after the episode's over. So uh, this has been really good, Colin. And the book is Be More Wrong, How Failure Makes You an Outstanding Leader. And I think you touched on a lot of things today that uh, we really can take away. Um, and I really appreciate you being on here. And I really think that you've your company takes a really unique uh, approach to training and development. I think I would like to see, I'd love to see more companies embrace the idea of having a playground and having those safe opportunities to make mistakes and, and really learn from it. I know that for me, it was a powerful way to learn as a young officer in the Navy. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't do it enough in my in my workforce. So I really need to try to do, allow more opportunities to people for people to try and fail even in controlled manner. And I think yeah. that they will learn more from those opportunities and give them those, give them that, uh, I think you said, I think in somewhere you're writing, you know, give them a soft landing so they can yeah. uh, learn from those things and be able to take those lessons from them. It might not feel soft to them at the time, John, that's the only thing. So right. coaching and mentoring is a key part of that. I've learned that through my time. I've I've landed with what I thought was a very hard landing. And my boss has said, no, that's soft. You just <laughs> learned early. <laughs> right. right. I love so, it. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, this has been really good. And I appreciate you being on the show. John, it's been a real pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your day, sir. You too. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.